0: Thank mm-hmm. you. For good, for the Lamb had conquered death, and the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe, for the souls of all who come to the Father are restored. The church of Christ was born, let the Spirit lift the flame, now this gospel truth of all His name In His freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ The King of King
1: Well good morning everyone. It is uh, truly a blessing to be back with you this morning, and I know it's not officially the first Sunday of the new year, it's the second, and many of you were here last week already, Uh, but from my side, a very blessed new year to each and every one of you. May you know the Lord's very special plans and purposes in your life uh, as you go into this year, and for us uh, as a church, um, this is thankfully the last sunday we are back at uh, we are still in one service mode um, because clearly we're running out of space and so from next sunday again we go back to our two services um, so please take note of that from next sunday back to eight uh, and ten and we'll also be resuming our evening services from uh, next week as well but very special welcome to each and every one of you to our service today also a very special welcome to those who are uh, can't be here in person and are joining us online for the live stream uh, we trust that you also will know the Lord's blessing this morning and will be able to join with us as soon as possible again. Uh, I don't often welcome particular individuals, but it is lovely to have Doug and Jill von Mieter with us this morning uh, from Brackenhurst, back Baptist Church. Um, Doug has been a great blessing to myself and to many other pastors in the ministry. We meet once a month uh, in our fraternal, and it's always a great encouragement. So please do take our greetings back to to Brackenhurst. Uh, We thank the Lord for your partnership with us in the gospel. Uh, Those of you who were here in 2020 will remember that all our small groups did a discipleship training, and we worked through a discipleship manual for the whole year. Well, that was the product of Brackenhurst, and so we can thank the Lord for just the benefit of being part of a wider kingdom of God and, and sharing the resources in that way. So just a reminder then, we have no evening service this evening. That will resume again uh, next week. Also to let you know that there are still some daily bread devotional material books available at the info desk. So if you'd like to uh, quickly catch up this first week that you've missed and get going for the rest of the year with um, the daily bread devotionals, they are available uh, at the info desk. And then just our condolences to the Easterbrook family at the passing away of Yvonne this past Thursday. Many of you will know Yvonne, who's been part of this church for many, many years. And so Yvonne's memorial uh, will be held on Wednesday, this coming Wednesday at 2 o'clock. Lee Robinson will be taking the memorial service there, so please do join us uh, for that. Uh, We thank the Lord for the life and memory of Yvonne. Then also we have been announcing uh, for the last month or so that we are planning a baptismal service. Hopefully, towards the end of January, we still need to finalize the date, so if you would like more information about believers' baptism, perhaps you were baptized as a baby, perhaps you've never been baptized, but you love the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you maybe want to just find out a little bit more about what we believe about baptism, there is a little booklet at the info desk, please take that, Uh, there's an application form inside, would you please fill that out, and then uh, I will meet with you and we can chat through that uh, prior to the baptismal service. Service. And then a last announcement for this morning is that we will also be starting new membership orientation classes uh, the first Wednesday of February, um, and that is actually the first of February, so there is a sign-up sheet at the info desk if you would like to know more about what it means to be a member of the church Uh, and particularly a a member of the local church here at Honey Ridge Baptist. Won't you please uh, put your name on the list, and I'll send you more information with regards to the membership classes. So I could ask the stewards if they would uh, come to the front uh, as we take up our tithes and our offerings for the Lord's work, both here and further afield. Thank you. Let's pray. Hi, Heavenly Father, we do thank you that we can come before you this morning and acknowledge you as the God of all goodness and all grace and all provision. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that we can start a new year acknowledging that you are a God of faithfulness, a God who has blessed us and sustained us and provided for us uh, despite the many occasions when we individually and even as a church have not been faithful to you as we ought And we thank you that we can start a new year looking forward to your ongoing faithfulness in our lives, and and we thank you that as we gather together, part of our worship of you is to bring our tithes and our offerings into the storehouse of God, recognizing, Lord, that we could never, ever repay you for all that you have given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we simply bring that which we bring as stewards. We offer it back to you, it belongs to you in the first place, and ask that you would be pleased to use it for the extension of your kingdom as we as your people seek to be obedient to you in this year ahead. And so won't you take our gifts and won't you multiply them for the extension of your kingdom and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just as the stewards finish taking up the offering and before Auntie Gail comes up and speaks to the children this morning, I'm going to ask Felix if he would just uh, join me here in front. Um, We sometimes have these occasions where we welcome people into membership and when we say goodbye to people who are leaving the church. Uh, Felix is neither this morning. Um, Felix is a member of the church and um, Felix is not leaving because he has not resigned and we have not accepted any kind of resignation whatsoever. But he is going to Denmark um, for a year, for a year's contract with his company. And uh, he's already found a a Baptist church there and we checked it out together this week, it looks okay. and so we, we just want to be able to pray for Felix today as we, we send him off. Uh, Felix uh, plays such a, a role in the church, particularly in our worship teams and in the choir, and, and so we're going to miss you. Uh, we're going to miss the, the friendships that you have with many of the people in the church and the, the younger men that you disciple. We thank the Lord for you, um, but we want to commit you to the Lord as you leave. And uh, remember, this is your home, uh, and you've got to come back as soon as you can. So um, let's pray for Felix as we just commit him to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for the joy that we can have as your people of just uh, coming alongside one another in the journey of life. And for Felix, this journey takes him to Denmark for the, the next year, and we want to pray that you would go before him. Uh, as he leaves us this coming week, as he takes up this contract with his company there for the next year. And we pray, Lord, that this would be a a year of growing Felix in, in just himself as a person and in his love for you and in his desire to continue to serve you both in the church there and back here in South Africa when you bring him back home. And we thank you for him. We thank you for his Uh, love for you. We thank you particularly for the the great blessing that he has been in connecting us as a church to Alpa in Turkey uh, and the regular contact that he maintains with Alpa. We pray that that would continue to grow uh, as we continue to uh, partner with Alpa in the work that that you are doing there. And so we we thank you for Felix, Lord, and we just want to entrust this next year to you, that you would protect him, uh, that he would be a great blessing to your people in Denmark, and that even as he's based there for this year, you would give him opportunities for the gospel, new relationships that would be formed, that would lead to discussions about uh, the work that the Lord Jesus Christ has done in his life. Uh, and that through that he would be a blessing even beyond uh, that which he uh, has perhaps intended to be as he goes over there. And so won't you use him greatly, encourage him, uh, bless him, we pray, fill the gaps that he will leave here behind as you raise up others uh, to take on the responsibilities that he has filled this past year and, and in the previous years. And we just look to you, Lord, asking that in everything he would know your very special blessing and leading and guiding. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, they as you go. Thanks.
2: Okay, so I, I love geography, and I get excited when I see anything beautiful. So I want to show you one or two things that I get very excited about. Now, I'm not sure you're going to find this as exciting as I do, but I get very excited when I see rocks. <laughs> yes, I know. Lots of my children look at me like that as if to say, are you nuts or something like that? I know, I know why you so Why? Let's see if you're right. Okay, so can you see the pretty shiny stuff on here? Yeah. Hey? Doesn't that look cool? Huh? Yeah. Hey? Look at this one. There's some weird things on that. time lucky okay I get very excited when I see things like this because to me this is just beautiful Well, like this how's this one what's this yeah it's scary hey yeah but it's quite amazing when you look at it okay? it's beautiful and then how about this isn't I went to get this printed and the guy at the printing shop had a whole discussion with me look at the weird colors on this okay? Is that not cool? So and then have a look at this one. We think we are so big as people. It's a wire. Huh? Can you see the little person over here? Yeah. Huh? It's so, it's so small. It's Jonah. No, I don't think it's Jonah. <laughs> I'm not sure they had cameras back then. So when I look at that, what happens in my heart is I go, oh my word, God, you are amazing. Look at what you have created. You've created all these beautiful things from the beautifully colored rocks to flowers to nature. But then I want to read you something because we look at something like that and we think it's so big and amazing, which it is. But then he tells us something about us. And this is in Psalm 139. And he says, for you created me. That means God created each one of you and me. He says, you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I listen to this. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made by God. OK? Jess, what are you doing? I'm trying to talk. Why? Because I know that God knows how many, so let me see if I can figure out. That reminds me. Do you think she's talking nonsense? Huh? I think she might be talking nonsense, but let's see. Because, again, I want to read you another verse. Because as amazing as this creation is, God created you as well. And it says in Luke 12, verse 7, it says, Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. So this year is about to, well, this year has started, and you're all about to maybe start school or nursery school or maybe do something different, and I want you to remember that the God who created the beautiful rainbows, the amazing sunsets, the stars, the rocks, he created you beautifully, wonderfully, and he cares and loves you. So you keep remembering that as you go and you see the beautiful clouds today or you see something lovely, a little butterfly, know that the same God who created that created each one of you, and he loves you. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for the amazing, beautiful things that you have created, from the very small little butterflies to huge, big elephants to the stars. But we especially thank you for creating us so fearfully and wonderfully. Thank you that you know each one of us. You know us better than we know ourselves. I pray for each child sitting here. I pray that they will get to know you more. They will love you more and follow you more. I pray that you will bless them and keep them. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Well, good morning from my side, church family, and all of God's best for the year um, that lies ahead. So with our uh, entertainment mindset, we, we all love to be entertained, just to keep us from that, and to make sure that we're not just here in body only. Um, listen, to, listen to Paul's call to our hearts and our minds. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's pray together. Our Father, by your dear Spirit, help us to make the most of our time together this morning so that we can give you our full attention with receptive hearts to your glories and your voice, ready to worship and obey. Lord, please would you align our hearts with what our lips will sing. Father, we acknowledge that that hope is a powerful thing, even when even when it's misplaced. We confess, Lord, that we often set our hope in your many gracious gifts which inevitably fail us, instead of setting our hearts on you. We set them on our on our health, on our financial security, our material possessions, our intellect, our jobs, our relationships, and more. Thank you, Lord, that you are our hope eternal the sure and certain goal of our faith, the eternally good, all-faithful and steadfast loving God. So help us afresh, Lord, to set our hope in you alone. In the name of our hope-purchasing and securing Savior, the dear Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Won't you stand? Let's sing together.
0: Our God is a consuming fire, a burning. Hope.
3: to, to sing, sing of such glories um, that we will one day taste the glory of your presence. Father, as we, as we pour out our hearts with the psalmist now, pleading with you for many different needs, our, our griefs, our sorrows, our trials, our anxieties for the, for the year ahead, and also expressing the desires of our hearts while resting in who you are. By your spirit, Lord, we ask that you would please encourage, stir, challenge, and comfort us each personally and as your body here at Honey Ridge toward greater holiness for love and service. Listen, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Protect my life, for I am faithful. You are my God. Save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant's life because I appeal to you, Lord. For you, Lord, are kind and ready to forgive, abounding in faithful love to all who call on you. O Lord, hear, hear my prayer, hear our prayer. Listen to my cries for mercy. I call on you in the day of my distress, for you will answer me. Lord, there is no one like you among the gods, and there are no works like yours. All the nations you have made will come and bow down before you, Lord, and will honor your name. For you are great and perform wonders. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will live by your truth. Give me an undivided mind to fear your name. I will praise you with all my heart, Lord my God, and will honor your name forever. For your faithful love for me is great, and you rescue my life from the depths of Sheol. God, arrogant people have attacked me. A gang of ruthless men intends to kill me. They do not let you guide them, but you, Lord, You, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Turn to me, turn to us and be gracious. Give your strength to your servant and save us. Show us signs of your goodness that our enemies will see and be put to shame, because you, Lord, have helped and comforted us. Lord, as Paul prays for the church in Rome, we ask that you, the God of hope, would fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in you, so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow with this hope. Overflow to all those in need of this great hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you stand? Let's sing one last time together.
0: constrain them to toil with you
3: Father who sustained them, O oh Spirit who inspired, Savior whose love constrained them, speak. Your servants are listening. Help your servant now by your Spirit too, for your great glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, please would you turn to Psalm 105 with me this morning. Psalm 105 as we come to our time uh, in God's Word today. Just a a little bit of an introduction here, starting from next Sunday. Uh, We will be resuming on Sunday mornings in our series in 2 Samuel, as we continue the study of the life of David and uh, all of God's dealings with his people during the reign of King David. And then next Sunday evening, as we resume our evening services for this year, we will be starting a new sermon series in the life of Joseph from Genesis chapter 37 all the way through to chapter 50. And so what I'm going to be doing today uh, is the introduction. If we can just go back there. I don't know why that happened. Thanks, Dion. Um, What I'm going to be doing today is really just the introduction sermon to our evening series in the life of Joseph, which will start next week. And I hope that Today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement uh, to you this morning as a standalone message from Psalm 105, but I also hope that it will encourage you to join us from next Sunday evening as we come to this most exciting story, uh, which really takes up the last quarter of the book of Genesis. I'm sure that most people, uh, even those who would not call themselves Christians, would be somewhat familiar with the Bible story uh, of a man called Joseph, even if perhaps for some people out there, their only knowledge of that story uh, has to do with Andrew Lloyd Webber's famous musical production, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. But I'm sure many of you have grown up in church. And if you've grown up in or around the church, I'm sure that you have heard many Sunday school stories and many children's talks and perhaps even attended a holiday club or two where you heard the amazing story of Joseph, a story filled with drama from the very beginning. It's a story oozing with family favoritism and Sibling rivalry, it's a story of fanciful dreams and failed expectations. It's a story of hatred and hidden agendas, one of deception and disappointment, a story of temptation and seduction, a story of injustice and inspiration. It's a story of great sadness and wonderful happiness, of humiliation and honor, a story of repentance, forgiveness and restoration. If anyone tells me that the Bible is boring, then they clearly have not read the story of Joseph in Genesis chapter 37 to 50. But despite its familiarity to to most of us as a Sunday school favorite, I was thinking about this over the holiday period. I cannot ever recall in my life of growing up in the church and having served the Lord uh, in ministry for the last 12 or 15 years, I can never recall a sermon series on the life of Joseph. Certainly not one that works through the entire narrative from Genesis 37 to 50. And so that is what we are going to be doing on Sunday evenings for the next two or three months leading us up to Easter. And so I really do hope that you will make the extra effort to end the Lord's Day with us as we consider this story together. But I think one of the dangers of of such a a character study from scripture is that too often and too easily we can detach the character and the story from scripture. Now what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that as we come to, to look at the story of Joseph, as our Western culture has taught us to do from birth, we so easily make the story all about us. There are a myriad of books and courses out there which all popularize the story of Joseph into nothing more than a motivational TED talk on how to learn the seven Joseph principles for a prosperous life. We are taught to read ourselves and our circumstances into the story of Joseph and then to learn from Joseph so that we can have the prosperous life of Joseph at the end. And so let me state categorically up front that the story of Joseph is not a story about you or me. It's a story about a man called Joseph, who was born to a man called Isaac, who was more, uh, sorry, a man called Jacob, whose father was Isaac and whose grandfather was Abraham. And as much as this story of Joseph is not about you or me. What Shane and I hope to show you very clearly and carefully in the weeks ahead is that the story of Joseph is given so much space in the biblical narrative because in a truly remarkable way, the story of Joseph is the story of Jesus. Joseph, we will see as we study God's word together, is an amazing type of Christ. And in as much as we can connect the story of Joseph to the story of Jesus, then we are right and ready to understand and apply the story of Joseph to our contemporary lives right here in Johannesburg as we go into a new year. And so for us to rightly understand the, the story of Joseph uh, in its historical context as as an early historical shadow which points us forward to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to see the right place that the story occupies in the Bible, the right place that it occupies in the unfolding plan of God's redemption and then to interpret the events in the story in the light of God's faithfulness to his covenant promises. And so that's the theme for today's sermon, God's faithfulness to his covenant promises. And I want us to see that as we look together at Psalm 105. And so please keep your Bibles uh, open there. We're going to be working our way through the Psalm together. We won't be able to look at all of the verses in detail today, uh, but we will be spending most of our time in the text. Now this is a Psalm, Psalm 105 is a Psalm which recounts a, a summary of God's dealings with his people as recorded for us in the book of Genesis and Exodus. It's a a brief overview of Genesis and Exodus. And the overarching theme of this psalm is God's faithfulness. Psalm 105 and 106 form a pair. Uh, Psalm 106, if you glance ahead to that, will show you a summary of God's people's unfaithfulness. But we're not going to look at that today. We're going to focus on God's faithfulness, particularly God's faithfulness to his covenant promises to Israel. And right in the middle of this psalm, there are about 10 verses dedicated to the story of Joseph. A story which, in order for us to rightly understand as we work through it in the weeks ahead, is a story which must be understood in this broader context of God's faithfulness to his covenant promises. And so in the first place today, I want us to see God's faithfulness motivates our worship uh, in verses 1 to 7. We're gathering here today as a a church at the beginning of a new year, uh, maybe 300 people or so that call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. We're all here in one place. We've gathered for the purpose of worshiping God. Can we truly, on an individual basis, on a personal heart level, and then corporately as a church, can we own the words of the psalmist? Let's read together from verse 1. O oh, give thanks to the Lord and call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgments he uttered. O offspring of Abraham, his servant, children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God, his judgments are in all the earth. As we've gathered today on the second Sunday of a new year, does the faithfulness of God so fill your heart today that you have come to this place this morning bubbling over to give thanks and praise to the Lord? As you reflect back on 2022, is your starting point to make known his deeds among the people's? Does your heart today glory and rejoice in the Lord? (coughs) Have you made New Year's resolutions for this year? What place does verse 4 have in your thinking, in your plans for this year to seek the Lord and His strength and to seek His presence continually? As much as we will see in a few minutes that God's faithfulness to his promises does not always, does not even often mean that our lives on this earth will be comfortable and prosperous, can you reflect with the psalmist at the beginning of a new year and see that even in this past year's hard times, even in the dark times, his works and his words are wondrous. Can you say with David in Psalm 139, just the, the earlier section and Gail mentioned to the children this morning, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Let me remind you that this psalm, the psalm is meant to be the experience of every single Christian because it is addressed. Look at verse 6. To the offspring of Abraham, his servant, and the children of Jacob, his chosen ones, he is the Lord our God. Now you might say, well, hang on, Clinton, how does that apply to you and to me? Well, the New Testament is absolutely clear on this, as Paul teaches in Galatians chapter 3. Now the promises were made, the promises we're going to be considering today, to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one, and to your offspring, who is Christ. And if you and me are Christ's, then we are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So if you are a Christian today, if if you're in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring. And God's fulfillment and fullness of his covenant promises applies to you and should motivate you and me to worship God, to give thanks to him, to call on his name, to sing praise to him, to glory in his name, to rejoice and make his deeds known to all the peoples. Verse one to seven, how's that for a New Year's resolution? I pray that that would be true uh, of all of our hearts as we go into this year. But in the second place, it's crucial for us to see that God's faithfulness is rooted in covenant in verses eight to 11. Now, eight to 11 are really the theological crux of the Psalm because they reveal to us that God's faithfulness is not something which waxes and wanes like our faithfulness does. It does not change depending on how God is feeling. No, God's faithfulness is steadfast and unchanging because it is rooted in his covenant promises. So as I read these verses, please notice the absolute security and certainty which is conveyed in these verses. He remembers his covenant forever the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his sworn promise to Isaac, which he confirmed to Jacob as a statute, to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as your portion for an inheritance. One of the themes we are going to encounter uh, again and again in the story of Joseph is the theme of the providence of God, the fact that God works out all things, all things for the good of those who love him. And this verse tells us why God does what he does, why his faithfulness is sure, why he is worthy of all our praise because everything God does is rooted in his covenant promises with Abraham, the covenant he then confirmed to Isaac and again to Jacob, the covenant which is fully and finally fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, if you are struggling to see how the covenant promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob apply to you and me as a Christian, let me remind you to go back to, Genesis, uh, to, to Galatians 3.29. If you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring and you are heirs, you are recipients of the promise. But listen to how the writer to the Hebrews wants us as Christians to find great encouragement in the certainty of God's promises to us. I won't bring the text up, it's a little bit long, but Hebrews 6 verse 13 says, for When God made a promise to Abraham, the very promises we're considering, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, surely I will bless you and I will multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all our disputes, an oath is final for confirmation." So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, notice what he does now, he says we, God gave this unchangeable oath to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob. And he did that so that we who have fled for refuge might find strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. I hope you can see that God's faithfulness to his covenant promises is an unbreakable commitment. It's impossible for God to lie so that we who have fled to Jesus Christ might rest in and entrust ourselves fully to God. In Ephesians 1 verse 11 and 12 Paul writes, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. But what does God's faithfulness to his covenant promises look like practically Practically in our lives as his people, as as we stand in the line of, of saints, the servants of God who have gone before us. Well, in the third place, we see that God's faithfulness starts small. Verses 12 to 15. These next few verses are a wonderful encouragement to us to never despise the day of small beginnings. We live today in an age of instant gratification. Value today is measured by how big or how fast or shiny or luxurious or beautiful or expensive something is. And so the idea for us that God's purposes are multi-generational, that God's purposes start small and they usually grow slowly. Often God's purposes are not outwardly very attractive or flashy. Well, this just doesn't sit well with us, does it? We don't have time for that in our impatient, self-centered, instant, superficial age of gratification. We face pressures every single day to make decisions which will impact the here and the now. Think about business. Business decisions are made every day, driven by the endless cycle of the next courtly targets and the next courtly bonus payouts which will follow. Family decisions are driven by what will get my kids ahead in a godless society in which we live in the short term. What will gratify their childish immaturity in the immediate and so we no longer play the long game of investing spiritually in our children teaching them that God rewards long-term faithfulness and integrity and hard work, patiently instructing them in the ways of the Lord. Instead, we feed their insatiable desire for self-promotion and self-love and entertainment by sacrificing the eternal things of God for the instant gratification of our present world. But here the psalmist reminds us that although God's purposes are big and eternal, his covenant promises are unwavering and certain, his timeline is not ours. His values are not ours. He, what, what he values, the world despises. And even though he may be considered slow in fulfilling his promises, he is at work in all the details. Let's read verse 12 to 15 speaking about Israel uh, or the people of God, when they were few in number, of little account. And sojourners in the land, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, he allowed no one to oppress them. He rebuked kings on their account, saying, touch not my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. Sorry, there's the, oops, there we go. There's the verses that I've just read. God's incredible purposes to eventually save a multitude of people from every language and tribe and nation, we've been looking at that as we ended the year in the book of Revelation. That process that God started that terminates in the new heavens and the new earth, it began 4,000 years ago with one man, one man who had some kids, who had some kids, And it was while they were in few in number, while they were of no significance whatsoever, what did God do? He protected them. He even rebuked kings, kings of the nations, saying, Do not touch my anointed ones. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 10 to 12, listen to what God says. He found Israel in a desert. Land And in a howling waste of the wilderness, he encircled him, he cared for him, he kept him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. The Lord alone guided him. No foreign God was with him. Again, we see this pattern repeated in the ultimate seed of Abraham as we have just this past Christmas Considered the small, humble beginnings of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ into this world, which then initiated a 30-year-long journey of utter obscurity for Jesus before God finally stepped in to accomplish His covenant promises through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, too, the pattern continues in our lives, Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, for consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. So that no human being may boast in the presence of God. Because of him you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. So God's faithfulness to his covenant promises starts small. But in the fourth place we see that it often takes strange detours. Now it's in these verses, verses 16 to 24, which are central to this entire psalm on the faithfulness of God and his covenant promises that our attention is focused on the life of Joseph. And we might too easily forget that what takes place in Genesis 37 to 50 is not some side story which Moses thought might make for a nice Broadway musical one day. No, it's an essential part of God's purposes for his people. And so before we read these verses, let me remind you of what God said to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15, Genesis 15 verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years but i will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they shall come out with great possessions they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the amorites is not yet complete now this is very instructive for us as we consider the ways of god in this world Because I think that we are often tempted to think that, yes, although God has a plan for all of history, I don't think any Christian would deny that God is sovereign over all of history. We really think of God as really a master of improvisation. You know, when when this or that happens, which is clearly evil, or that happens, which is outside the will of God, or that happens, which clearly a God of love would never do, We think that God must have a little speed wobble in those moments, uh, but then he manages to sort of right himself again, and he manages to kind of get things back on track. And he does that all over the world, and so he's a busy master of improvisation. But here we see that although God promises in Genesis 12 to make Abram into a great nation, that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him, God also tells him in Genesis 15 a a little glimpse into the journey towards that promise fulfillment. And God says to Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not their own, and they'll be servants there or slaves there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. So that brings us now to where we are in our psalm. So back to Psalm 105, verse 16. We find Abraham's little family is chugging along in the land of Canaan. Uh, They're getting themselves into all kinds of trouble as we're gonna see in weeks ahead. They are busy losing their identity as the Lord's people, as the Lord's anointed ones. They are acting in ways which make them a stench to the nations around them, some shocking stuff. They're acting in a way which is certainly a stench in the nose of God. There's favoritism, jealousy, infighting, murder, deceit. The descendants of Abraham were literally in self-destruct mode when what happened? Psalm 105 verse 16 tells us, When God summoned a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread, he had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in a collar of iron until what he had said came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. And the Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. He turned the hearts of the people of Egypt to hate his people and to deal craftily with his servants. And so here we see that that God promises to Abraham or, or that the promises that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12 and 15 are fulfilled in the story of Joseph. But the line from God's promise to his fulfillment is not always a straight line. Although in this case, God had revealed to Abraham His purposes that would involve 400 years of slavery in Egypt, a a detour in Egypt, David Kingdon reminds us that for reasons best known to himself, God seldom reveals to his servants in advance what his providential purpose is. He expects us to trust him to take what we know of his revealed character as righteous and faithful and to let that be our guide when life seems more of a maze than a straight path to heaven. The story of Joseph appears to us as a 13-chapter, 90-year-long detour And even as we zoom into the details of Joseph's life, we're gonna see that God's fulfillment in Joseph's life of the dreams that he gave to Joseph as a young boy had many bumpy, pothole-ridden detours. But in God's purposes, it was exactly the route that he had planned for Joseph. And the lesson that we need to learn today is what the psalmist is trying to convey in this entire psalm, that God's faithfulness to his covenant promises does not often follow the road of comfort and expediency. It's very seldom straight and smooth. It's very seldom the path we hoped for, but it is always the road which God knows will ultimately be best for our good and for his glory. David Kingdon says again, God sometimes disappoints our hopes not to cause us needless grief, but to fulfill a purpose in our lives that at the time we could not have envisaged. Unless you and I realize that our God sees far beyond our limited horizons, we shall become disappointed and dispirited. Again, we must learn to trust where we cannot trace. We need to bring our time to a close. And so let me just mention the next two lessons which the psalmist teaches us, which is that God's faithfulness cannot be opposed. That's in verses 25 to 38. Uh, And then that God's faithfulness continues in the wilderness in verses 39 to 40. If you spend some time this week reading the whole psalm, you will see the wonderful encouragement of the lengths that God will go to to accomplish his covenant promises for his people. Nothing and no one can stop God from keeping his promises. We see, just going back to verse 25 to 38, that as God raised up Moses when his time was right, it was to reveal his purposes to Pharaoh. And through a series of 10 plagues, he broke all the resistance, all the opposition of the entire nation of Egypt so that God's people could leave with all the wealth of Egypt but also of great encouragement to us, is that God's faithfulness to his promises continues even in the wilderness. For 40 years, God banished his people to the wilderness because of their sinfulness and their rebellion, and yet throughout that season, the psalm tells us that God protected them, he led them, he fed them manna from heaven, he fed them quail from the sky, and he gave them water to drink from the rock. Why did God do that? Why did God just not wipe them out and start over? That would have been so much easier. Well, verse 42 tells us why. For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. And so that leads me to our final lesson and the real application of this psalm to ourselves today, which is that God's faithfulness always produces transformed people. This psalm ends with a, Uh, This brief historical account of God's faithfulness with these words. Look at verse 43. So he brought his people out with joy, his chosen ones with singing. He gave them the lands of the nations, and they took possession of the fruit of the people's toils, that so that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise the Lord. Here we see in a very practical way what God's will is for you and for me. What is he doing in each of our lives as we look back over his winding path of providence just in this last year, perhaps just in this last month? He's taking us all towards the same destination, and it's nothing less than our holiness, our transformation into the likeness of Jesus. What you will see as you step back and and you look at the psalm is that the shape of the story of Israel follows the shape of a parabola. Yes, I know school only starts next week. Um, A parabola, it starts high and then it drops down low and then it goes back up again. Kids, if you ever forget that again, it means you weren't listening But that's the pattern that we see in the story of Israel. From the the high point of God's covenant promises in verse 11 of the Psalm, to the low point of 400 years of slavery in Egypt, to the even lower point of 40 years in the wilderness, in the desert, then to the wonderful high point of God fulfilling his covenant promises as his people enter the land of Canaan. We're gonna see the same shape in the story of Joseph, from being the favorite son of his father Jacob, to the low point of being thrown into the bottom of a pit, to the even lower point of being sold as a slave, to the even lower point of being falsely accused and condemned and thrown into prison and then forgotten, to the high point of being exalted as the prime minister of Egypt, to the even higher point of being God's appointed savior of the world. And so in the shape of the story of Israel, in the shape of the story of Joseph, we see the shape of the story of Jesus. And we will explore many of those parallels in the weeks to come, but listen to how Paul reveals the same shape of the story of Jesus to us in Philippians chapter 2. Though Jesus was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of a man, and then being found in the form of a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so, if Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, if Jesus is the ultimate reality to whom Joseph points us, then surely if we are in Christ and we are the recipients of all that God has purposed and planned and promised to do for Abraham, that God's purposes in the shape of Joseph's life and God's purposes in the shape of Israel's history and God's purposes in the shape of Jesus' life should characterize the shape of our lives today. God's faithfulness to his covenant promises always results in transformed people. And so Peter says to us in 1 Peter 1, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. We're also sojourners in this world, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So may the Lord Jesus help us as his people in 2023 to live lives that are shaped like Jesus. Constantly dying to self, constantly humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God's gracious dealings with us in the gospel, constantly being brought low as we love one another and care for one another and serve one another and put others before ourselves so that as Christ has been exalted, we may be raised with him to walk in the newness of a holy life and that we may be raised up with Jesus and be seated with him in the heavenly places. So may these seven aspects of God's faithfulness to his covenant promises, may they encourage you individually, may they mobilize us as a church in this new year as we look to him to continue his faithful promises in us and through us that we might be those that bring glory and honor to his name. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and as we have just taken a brief survey over your dealings with your people at the very beginning in the book of Genesis and Exodus, so we can see a plan that is so much bigger than any individual any nation, even bigger than us as human beings on earth. It is a plan that is centered in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we thank you today that for those of us here, and I trust that that is the majority of us here today who are in Christ, that we would know something of what it means to be the recipients, to be heirs of the promises of God to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who are here today who do not yet know you, who are outside of Christ, those who are, in a sense, wandering in this world, not because they are aliens and strangers, but because they are natural earthly residents, may they recognize their need to be reconciled to this God, this faithful covenant-keeping God of the Bible who works out all things for the good of those who love Him, not just in this life, but ultimately for all eternity. Lord, may these truths mobilize us, motivate us to be a people who are filled with joy and gratitude in You as we go into this year. May we see every opportunity that You give us as one not for self exaltation and self promotion, but one in which we might be able to be faithful to your plans and your purposes and your promises to us as your people. So help us, we pray, Lord, to do this. Transform us, we pray, daily into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may we as the Honey Ridge Baptist Church shine brightly for you in this year ahead. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: It's appropriate that we close then by singing, Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me. Won't you stand?
0: for my life is wholly bound to his oh how strange and divine i can sing
3: for you to close is Paul's to the Thessalonian church from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen.